Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody. Big Dave Lemon, uh, flying solo tonight. Well, not completely solo. I have uh, Corey Seidman in the studio with me tonight. Very kind to step in for Joe. And uh, Joe is, uh, as we mentioned the last couple of weeks, doing a little work in the poker field, uh, working as a uh, floor guy and kind of a congratulatory backslapper for the uh, PPC group. Uh, they, they have a couple of tournaments up in the Midwest, one in Iowa, another in Kansas over the next couple of weeks. So Corey's stepping in tonight. I uh, invited him in because it's really the perfect time. Uh, he is friendly with Stacy Madison. We're going to get into that hand since it aired over the weekend on the World Series of Poker and was very interesting, uh, you know, how that played out. And, Corey, I, I think it's going to be fun to talk about because two of the real problems in the game now, and you've talked about it in some of your articles, are slow play, which is driving some of the people away from the game, when to call the clock, when not to call the clock. That was part of that controversy. And the other is, uh, you know, people just, uh, you know, driving players away by uh, treating them poorly. And uh, this fellow, William Kasuf, calls it speech play. But there needs to be some freedom there, but people can take it too far. Absolutely. I mean, these are major issues now, as you said, Dave. And, uh Poker knows that something has to be done in these areas, and certainly uh, poker talk at the table. It has to be clear and defined. I mean, let's face it. If the if the rules are very clear, then it, it'll take away a lot of the controversy. And uh, I'm one for a lot of table talk. Uh, you know, I have a big mouth at the table, but I take pride in certainly not breaking rules. Uh, you know, the, it is... You know, it is a game you should treat with integrity, and certainly you shouldn't go over the line. But I feel that the line is very different if you're in a in a hand that's heads up. Once yeah. it goes heads up, I think basically anything should go. That changes the situation. Yeah. Uh, where do you draw the line? And we'll get into this more a little bit later. But where do you draw the line between harassment and just simply needling, maybe getting under the skin to help your your game and get a decision you want to come out of a hand? I think the line should be very liberal, heads up, like I said, but I think you're over the line if you make it personal, you know, personal attack well, of some yeah, kind. There's, there's obviously, obviously yeah, no but anything that, short but, of that. Yeah, I mean. But have you noticed the difference in, I mean, you've played all over the world, mm -hmm. uh, and it seems to be more commonplace in Europe, especially in Great Britain. and uh, that, Yeah, you that, see that, that they, at, the main, at the World Series, you do. Right, you see a lot of those guys yeah. use that as part of their weapon. And you've always used it as a weapon. Sure. You know. Those guys try and intimidate, though. A yeah. lot of European players, they... Look, I, I'm someone that's not easily intimidated. And you really have to stand your ground against these European players. And I've even thought to myself at times, I can't imagine how someone... Unlike myself, actually, because I have to really stand up straight, you know, so to speak. Uh, but I know others are definitely, I see it. I see the intimidation factor. These guys, they they let it fly. I mean, and now they allow it the, uh, at the World Series. I mean, they let these guys speak their language. Uh, they allow it. It's part of the reason it has to do with people have phones and they could text in between hands when they're not in a hand. And you know the guy is absolutely cursing you out in his native tongue. Right. No question about it. <laughs> right? I mean, you're sitting there, and they, they give you looks that they would, like, rip your eyeballs out if they could. It's funny. I played last night in a tournament uh, at Hylia Park. And, nice. And... Uh, I was very curious to see how they handled, uh, you know, the Latin uh, language at the table. And, you know, they kind of looked the other way for the most part, which doesn't bother me. But uh, that can always be a problem for some uh, people who run a room, especially when you have a tournament where the regulars are not just the ones playing, the people coming in to play. This is actually a uh, $155 buy-in tournament with a 100000 guarantee. Nice. Uh, nine, ten, nice ten, guarantee. ten opening sessions. Uh, so uh, really a lot of stuff going on as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, it was fun. And, uh, you know, I even made a couple of jokes uh, at the table uh, 
Uh, did you, you know, do it in Spanish or English? No, I, I did. I don't speak any Spanish. So, <laughs> but I made some kind of joke about. Uh, I forget exactly what the joke was, and I said, you know, that joke doesn't fly in in Missouri, but it's funny here. Right. Know? Well, so. that's true. It certainly certainly is probably true. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we'll have some fun tonight talking about a couple of situations. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Corey, uh, I guess there's a couple of things that that people know you for, which is not always fair. But uh, uh, you know, we'll mention the the Jen Harmon uh, slow roll that that seems to probably follow you forever. I don't want to yeah, get into it. We it, covered it's, it. It's fine. It, I, I, I listen. I it, you know I find it very funny, and uh, it's incredible that there isn't a week that goes by basically that I'm in a poker place that someone doesn't bring it up. Well, we've talked to, uh, Joe and I have talked about it ourselves, and, and, and Joe says, you know, there was just a misunderstanding there that uh, people people run with it. But I, I can't believe some of the venom. And you've talked about this in some of your articles, that people can take shots because they're anonymous on social yes. media. And it's just uh, evolved to the point where it's embarrassing that people are, are so nasty. And then, you know, if you run into them in person, they're like uh, five, three, 110 pounds. Yeah, it's true. No, people, when they see me in person, they're very nice about it. They make jokes about it. They'll take out their phone and they'll put it, the YouTube video on while I'm playing against them to try and mess with me. I don't mind it at all. And uh, I don't take offense to any of the comments. I always take it from the source anyway. Now, now, a couple things uh, that, that really have uh, highlighted your career is winning a bracelet in 2012. I was yes. there at that final table. You were. And uh, that was in uh, Stud High Low. Yes, yes, Stud High Low. And uh, so, uh, you know, that was obviously a highlight of your career. And I saw that you wrote the next year that, uh, you know, you thought maybe, you know, you could come back and win another one. Yeah, and yeah, and it hasn't to. happened since no. then. Which, of course, brings to mind Dan Marino, who went to the Super Bowl in this rookie season. All right, never I like made, it. Never made it back <laughs> 15, 16 years later. So. Yeah, me and Dan have been talking about that. <laughs> so sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle, but... Uh, uh, you're also known for uh, one TV episode on Poker After Dark where you uh, you uh, put Phil, Phil Helmuth. Helmuth on tilt. Yeah. And a lot of people love that because yes. people don't really like Phil all that much. And, yeah, I've uh, got a lot, I hear about that a lot too, actually. Yeah. I'm more proud of that than uh, other appearances. <laughs> <laughs> well, as time goes along, it seems like that's just years ago. But unfortunately, people can't let some of the stuff go, right? Yeah, you know, people, they... It's funny, you know, you get people who... Actually, like a still in the moment, and they'll be upset at you maybe, and why did you do that? And uh, But the Jennifer Homer thing never goes away. Yeah. It's there forever. Jennifer and I are friends, and, you know, we say hello, and we're very friendly with each other, and she finds it humorous. She actually, I saw her, she actually brings it up to just to be funny at times. <laughs> she was at but, the yeah. aisle this year promoting yeah. that, uh, that multi-table game. Oh, my goodness, uh, yeah. That turned out to be kind of a disaster. But anyway. Um, Cut tape. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as uh, what you've been doing since then, I mean, you you played, you won a tournament, uh, was it last year at the yeah. Seminole Hard Rock? Uh, yeah, I did. Big one, a $2,200 buy-in or something? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was fun. I love playing mixed tournaments. It was tournaments. a horse? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was horse, exactly. I was thinking if it was eight game or horse, but it was horse. And, uh, yeah, it was at Coconut Creek, uh, my home casino. And, uh, yeah, it was nice to win and, uh, you know, got down to the final table and whatnot. And, you you know, I tell you, when you're used to playing, I play mixed games all year round when I can. And, uh, when you play against the best in the world, like I, like I do, you know, I play with guys that, you know, they're all bracelet holders. And then you play against guys who are normal field, you certainly... You know, you certainly realize the edge you really do have. Right. Well, they have a regular game down here that you play in sometimes uh, at Coconut Creek and different places. Uh, you know, not to divulge exactly. Uh, and people will yeah, be looking you down. Up. Yeah, exactly. You uh, did that to Jennifer Harmon. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but uh, there's still a lot of action down here in South Florida. Oh, yeah. Some great games. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have awesome games. We just had a million. We were playing mix basically every day during the, the big tournament down, uh, you know, at the uh, Hard Rock. And uh, now there's a series at Coconut Creek. But, yeah. I mean, everybody's here, so everyone's looking to these guys travel. 
they travel all around, and uh, the action was outstanding. But outside of the World Series, you really have to make your own action as far as that goes. And yes. it's disappointing because I really thought it was on the upswing there for a while. We had uh, Tom Schneider on when he won the two bracelets in one year yeah. in horse. And, uh, you know, the mixed games seemed to really start to be picking up some action. But now it just seems like uh, it's just kind of leveled off a little bit. Well, you know what the problem with that is? And I'm someone that's pretty vocal to try and lower the limits. Because a lot of the guys who are professionals who I'll play with, I mean, these guys, they always want to play bigger and bigger and bigger. And so there's a lot of guys that want to learn that play in like a small mixed tournament or even, you know, a, a World Series tournament. But they don't want to play two and four hundred. You know, they don't want to play three and six, right. one fifty three. Right. They're willing to donate and get an education. So they'll play maybe even seventy five, one fifty, fifty and a hundred. But these guys are never satisfied. So I'm always involved in tug of wars with I don't wanna bust chops with some of the guys I'm talking about. They probably won't care. I probably should anyway. <laughs> Robbie Mizraki. Okay, for one. It's always the same. I'm like, Robbie, we can't keep upping the limits. You know, it's not constructive. Right. Not to mention what happens is, uh, you know, maybe you'll get players in the game that maybe aren't as strong or as experienced. And we play mixed games, and we play like, We'll play as many as 10, 12 different games. Well, if you take huge money from them, they're not going to come back. So. Exactly. So, yeah, I can you know, understand it, that. It's been, that's, believe it or not, another problem in the world of poker since the beginning of time. Convincing guys to stop raising limits. You know, they get some people in the game, they deem good people for the game, and they just want to blow it up. Yeah. Um, you, you just, it's, not, it's not sensible. Yeah, because there's not a million people in line behind them to uh, no. keep the game going. No big farm system, not at that level. Exactly. So you still have some uh, decent action. You have a full-time job, so you're not really, I guess, you're uh, semi-professional. Yes. Now is what you would call yourself as I far as poker? Definitely. I never really consider myself strictly professional. Uh, you know, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I love to play poker, but I am not like some people who have a huge passion for it, who want to play like every day all the time. Yeah. Quite frankly, uh, I can only handle poker players to an extent for so long, and it's so entertaining. I like to have a good time at the table. Yeah. I'm not all about poker. I, I, I have to keep talking and entertaining myself while I play. I think we'll get into that a little bit more later, but every, people know you as a, an expert in st- seven-card stud. Yes. Which is few and far between as far as major tournaments go. But uh, the one thing I was thinking about before was I think the bracelet you own was a high seven card stud. Eight or high better, low. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you prefer just straight high as opposed to I do, to actually. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I've been playing studs, you know, for my whole adult life, actually. And uh, I have five final tables at the World Series, so I'm proud of that. In stud or stud eight, uh, my edge is bigger in stud high. Uh, it enables you to make it in a split pot game. You can't make the same moves you can when it's only one winner. Right. So I read really well. I, I read the board really yeah, well. The other board players. or the other players? Both. Yeah. Both. I mean, I I feel when I play stud high, even high low, I actually feel like they could just turn their cards over. I know them anyway. Right. This isn't going to help me get a play <laughs> <as> it is <laughs> <In> your game. <laughs> Don't worry, uh, nobody listens to the show anyway. It's funny. That's not true. <laughs> this is a great show. I love coming on with you guys. And, of course, it's, you know, f- taking Joe's spot here. You know, I feel like it's an honor, uh, huh? it is an honor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, stud, stud high, I love, I actually really enjoy. If there were stud high games here, I'd play almost every day. I, I do enjoy it more than any other game. Okay, well, uh, you won the horse tournament at the Coco Poker Open. We'll kind of use that as a I transition. I won the horse tournament at the Hard Rock two years ago. Right, right. Yeah. But then there's no horse tournament this year. I'm looking on the list. I know you're going to play in the I heads I scared up. everybody away, I guess. Yeah, no one wants to play with me. Uh, the tournament you're playing in is the uh, 20,000 guarantee, and the buy-in is... Uh, 360. That's uh, next Tuesday you're going to play. Yeah. That, so. You come and visit. You can come and heckle me, whoever yeah. wants to. Exactly. I'll be at Coconut Creek next Tuesday. I think it starts at noon. And it's heads up. That's why I'm playing. It's the only kind of hold'em tournament I want to play now. Really? Yeah. I, I, well, if they were, you know, you're, you're going to talk about possibly shot clocks and we're talking, you know, we would, you and I were just getting into that a little bit, the need for it. I just don't want to play at a full table tournament where I'm going to sit there. Because patience is important, of right. course, when you're playing tournaments right. and hold them tournaments. And 
players just take too much time for me, Dave. Yeah. I, I just sit there and I problem. say, why am I doing this? It's a huge problem in the game. We'll get back to that later with uh, the shot clock because it worked very well at the uh, Tournament of Champions this year at the WPT. That's a great trend. Uh, the implementation of the uh, of the clock on the table and, and everything was great to see. And uh, the players were, were pretty high on uh, how well it was working. So uh, we'll get to that a, a little bit. I did want to talk about the Coco Poker Open because it got underway today as we do the show here on Wednesday, the 21st. Uh, with an Omaha high-low event, and uh, the championship event uh, is starts on Friday, so uh, that's a big one coming up. A million-dollar guarantee in the event, $2,500 buy-in with day ones on Friday and Saturday at noon. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. We'll bring you the results next week. Uh, also, the Borgata is going on now up in Atlantic City, the Borgata, Borgata Fall Poker Open which is uh, a WPT event that's going to be, the final table is going to be televised, and they're playing tonight. They're down to 60. Wow. And uh, I don't have the exact chip leader, but I do know uh, Matt Waxman is one of the chip leaders with 1.1 million chips. Hmm. Uh, they just went on dinner break and promised they would post it when the players got back. So hopefully before the end of the show we can give you some big chip counts. Uh, the last I have is with 121 remaining. There was uh, Taha Maruf, the leader, 860K. But huge names. We were looking at the list before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ari Engel, Blair Hinkle, uh, Jesse Sylvia, John Raisner, just to talk a few. Uh, Matt oh, Waxman, uh, Paul Volpe. Uh, these are all guys you've gone up against. Aaron Mermelstein, yes, sure, uh, who you sure. know. Freddie Deeb, a longtime uh, yeah. champion. Uh, Give Freddie credit. It's tough to tangle with these guys. They're outstanding. I wanted to uh, at least run by your thoughts of Atlantic City. Now, you played there over the years. I used to play there a lot. Uh, you're from New York, so uh, that's been part of your life. Mm-hmm. And at one time, the Borgata was known as one of the very biggest poker rooms in the world. Yeah. Still is a great place and probably the best up there in Atlantic City. Yeah. Um, how has life changed in Atlantic City over the past 10 years? Well, the problem with Atlantic City is uh, it pretty much the Borgata is Atlantic City. And so a lot of people stop going there. I played in a regular game for years, a stud-high only game there for so many years. First it was at the Taj, and then we moved it over to uh, the Borgata. It's a great, great hotel. Uh, and, uh, it's you a know, beautiful place, huh? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you, the thing is, when you're there, the best thing was never leaving that hotel. Atlantic City just became, you know, even walking on the boardwalk at night. Which is exactly what they want. Yeah, that is what they want. Yeah. That is. Don't leave the property. Don't leave the property. <laughs> it's true. You know, I mean, look, at it. it's sort of a shame. It's a little sad, you know, to see places like the Taj Mahal go and, you know, these different poker rooms become extinct. And there's a lot of reasons for it, but, you how, know. How is online poker in New Jersey being there? How has that affected the Yeah, I mean, that can't be a positive. I mean, yeah. let's face it. You know, brick and mortar. I, I'm not a big, uh, look, everyone, in my opinion, should be able to play online. I mean, you know, we're not going to get into the political discussion about, you know, living in America and having rights and our government shouldn't decide that we could lose our money. Just not to get into it, but they shouldn't tell us where we could lose or win our money. You know what I mean? Absolutely. If it's legal, I mean, it's so absurd. It's but, just uh, an unbelievable argument. But uh, It is. But you know, as we were talking about it before the show, and really when it comes right down to it, it's not that they want to prevent people from hurting themselves. No. It's more that they want a piece of the action. They want, they yeah. want, it's all the almighty dollar that rules every one of these decisions. It's so true. And what's so upsetting is they tell us they're trying to protect us. I mean, that's what's so upsetting. But, you know, maybe there's a turn for the better now that's taking place. Uh, I sense it is turning. So maybe... Uh, it will be universal. But I'm a brick-and-mortar type guy. I like I like interacting face-to-face. I do enjoy it more. I used to play online to an extent, and I use it to qualify for major events, and it was very useful for me that way. Uh, but I do like playing face-to-face, and uh, so, well, you know. For I'm years, they had the monopoly on the Northeast poker scene, and now mm. there's Pennsylvania, and uh, Maryland is doing so well. And, and New York. It's spreading around. Of course, New York is also uh, you know, taking off. Massachusetts will be next over the next couple of years. We see some yeah. big places there. So yeah. uh, you know, there's nothing that there wasn't a birthright for Atlantic City to no. uh, it can make only last all the money. So long. And not to mention Atlantic City didn't do the right thing. I mean, let's face reality. Excuse me. They had a uh, an agreement with the town that they were going to fix up Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. You know, they were going to turn Atlantic City into a really nice town, and they were greedy about it. 
I mean, you, I mean, you look at Las Vegas. Let's say you go to Las Vegas. It's a really beautiful venue. There's a lot to do. You know, it's a, it's an entertainment paradise. And maybe if Atlantic City would have chose to be, uh, you know, more long-term minded, maybe Atlantic City would have, like we say in South Florida, because you imagine having a Las Vegas like in South Beach, yeah. which they say may imagine happen. Imagine that for 25 years. Yeah, yeah, I know. But <laughs> we keep imagining it. Yeah. They keep telling us it's around the corner. But a lot of these states want to keep the money in state now. So basically what Atlantic City is, it's the boardwalk, the little area right there, and anything off the boardwalk is, is a dump, huh? Except uh, Atlantic City sub, the White House it is, excuse me. Uh, but, yeah, it's so bad. I mean, there were times when I'd be with friends, we'd be walking on the boardwalk late at night, and you had to have eyes in the back of your head. I mean, yeah. security, they'd have, like, one security guard standing outside, you know, like the Taj Mahal or something, and, you know, there was no protection out there. It was dangerous. I, I find it so ironic that at one time Trump's name was on everything, and now that he's running for president, it's all these places are going under. That's yeah. pretty crazy. I know. He got what he wanted out of it, let's face it. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so many things to talk about, and we can, we can uh, drive this in a different area. But I did want to get to the, uh, the situation with a, a, for, for a good friend of yours for many years, Stacy Madison, yes. who, of course, uh, is very Stacey. close with the Mizrakis. And, uh, you know, we, we had her on the show right after the, uh, really, I think it was 10 days after the incident with... Uh, uh, William Kasuf out there, and I want to get to that. We take a break here first, but uh, we'll we'll hear a little bit from Stacy uh, from that show because I think a lot of people missed that. Uh, she was on the show right after it happened, and now it has aired. It was on Sunday night, and I don't know how many people saw that because they got their uh, poker shows going up against Sunday night football. Yeah. Uh, this past week, when this show aired, was actually up against uh, the Emmy Awards. And yeah. it was late because of the uh, situation with a hockey game, that international hockey series that's going on. So by the time this stuff aired, it was after midnight. And, you know, while they will replay it probably during the week, yeah, I, I'm sure. you know, I wanted people to see that because I think it's very important. And I think it's even more important to get Stacy's point of view because I thought she handled it pretty well. And uh, we'll, we'll play a little piece from uh, the interview she did with us about two months ago. And uh, I want to get your reaction to uh, Absolutely. your thoughts. Anyway, let's take a break here and uh, tell you about Gulfstream Park, located in Hallandale Beach, south part of Broward County, just north of the Dade Line. Uh, it is uh, a tremendous place because they have, you know, great gambling, uh, you know, there, but also stuff for the entire family. You have uh, dining. You have the great shops. They have uh, a bowling alley there. And all the stuff outside of uh, in the uh, village of Gulfstream Park is a place where everybody can have a great time. Uh, I don't know if you play much poker there. They have a pretty I, juicy I Omaha there. game from Listen, what I hear. Yeah, it's sometimes tough to get into it. But we actually ran some mixed games there. I know Danny Sweat has a big game there on a weekly basis. Yeah, there's a few games that they uh, they have good – it's a great complex, like you said. Yeah. It's awesome over there. It's not a huge room, about 20 tables. It's in the back part of the uh, first floor casino known as the Finish Line Casino. And uh, it's certainly, um, you know, a place that, that you should include in your in your run. I mentioned I played at Hylia Park. Well, the other day I played at Gulfstream Park and had a great time. It's just a, a well-run room. You know you're going to get a fair game there. The people are nice. And the uh, and the people who work there, the dealers and the floor people, are very uh, qualified and, and competent. So uh, it's a place to go in South Florida. Uh, on the weekends you can see some great horse racing. Of course, Wednesday through Sunday uh, we have horse racing going on pretty much all year round now. So... Uh, it's one of the jewels of South Florida. It's a beautiful place. You'll be, if you haven't been there before, you'll be surprised at how nice it is. It's really a solid place, yeah. and we recommend people to go there. It's Gulfstream Park. If you have any questions about the poker room, what's playing, what games are laid out, what time the tournaments start, how much uh, it is to buy in, or how many chips you get, give them a call, 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. 
You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck for Dave2037 so he can buy anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Where are you getting Steve2037? Steve2037 will be just fine. Well, okay, but don't expect to borrow my anti-gravity boots. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks. Feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon tonight with Corey Zeidman here in the studio. Uh, Corey lives here in South Florida as a bracelet uh, to his credit. You ever wear it? You know, I I don't. I'm hesitant to wear it for some reason. I don't. Is there a lot of diamonds in it? No, not a lot of diamonds. No. There's, there's, there's a triangle of diamonds in it. It's a nice bracelet. It is. But I, I'm only going to – I need to win another one, actually, and then I'll feel vindicated. And How much does it mean to you? To win another one? No, to, I ha- to have won the first one. Oh, it meant a lot to yeah. me. It was a goal. I know it was great at the time. Yeah. But. It's disappointing that I have it. I guess i got to play a lot more events, but I had a shot this year, final table, the, the stud, a stud event, and uh, was in good chip position and had roll-ups get cracked. You know, when you're, you know, when you're down to the final table, the, the, the limits are so high, so every hand you play is at a premium. And, and that was an awesome table. Sean Deeb, Eugene Kachilov. Eugene, or, uh, Sean won the tournament, right? Sean did, yeah. Those two guys, were, I was playing with them most of the day. and That was very late in, right before the main event, right? Yeah, uh, pretty late. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, people were saying it was uh, an incredible final table. There was, there was a lot of bracelets at the table, and they were saying that that particular final table was better than the final table of the 10K stud. Looking back on uh, the tournament win back in 2012 now, you've had some time to uh, to look back at that. Was it a life changer at all? Uh, mentally. The money or the... Uh, no, no, no. I wish it was, actually. No. In this day and age... Did you get to keep dogs, much of that money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. Because okay, a lot uh, of people come out and they go, yeah, I got 10% of that. Or oh, less, no. You know. I did have investors, uh, so I had to give up half of the money. But... Uh, Winning, I mean, the money is the, is the most important factor, of course, but certainly winning a bracelet was something I really wanted to do badly. Yeah, of course, and, of course, mixed events are always smaller tournaments, yes. so the big the prize money isn't yeah, isn't but monumental. They, let me, yeah, okay, okay, but the field is is, is inundated with champions. Yeah, no it question. It really is. No question. But yeah, I mean, I wish the I wish there were more, like you said. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing. I mean, you know, you're not you're not got a bunch of fish running around in no. these things for sure. <laughs> no, but I, I you know I, I'm I really feel I play at you know at, at a very high level, so I feel my edge in these events is substantial. But in tournaments, the structure you know goes up, 
the the limits go up pretty rapidly, uh, you're going to have to get on a run at some point, certainly. Now they're they're spread out throughout the uh, seven weeks, so you made yeah. like two or three different three, trips out actually, there. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a real pain in the neck, you know. The, I, I wish they would stack them together. I actually flew back and forth to Florida three times. That's oh, brutal. did you? Well, you did that that year too. I remember. Yeah, I think yeah. I think after I talked you to know, you, that was very early in the event. The year you won. Yeah, it was. It was it very was, early. Because I went out that year and uh, wanted to see uh, some of the early events. And uh, you know, I know that you had a couple other trips planned, but uh, this year you had a, you had an eighth, you had a seventy ninth in the uh, in the fifteen hundred that was uh, at the very end of the tournament, and you had one earlier that. Uh, Went pretty well too, I guess. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you, if you don't get in the top three, you know, you're always disappointed if you don't win. That's the way tournaments are. But I felt I definitely had a golden opportunity. I was one of the chip leaders late in the stud high tournament. But uh, again, I had roll ups cracked, and then it just spiraled. Roll ups, uh, like I started a stud high hand with three of a kind. <laughs> uh, to lose that is huge. Let me ask you this, uh, and I don't know how much. A strategy for stud uh, you like to get into with people. I, I was reading how Jason Mercier never wanted to talk strategy about some of these things. Uh, the grinder once told me, you know, I'm not going to help these people learn how to play because, mm. you know, they might come back and uh, beat me someday. But as a basic uh, strategy uh, idea, uh, there's certain starting hands that you you have to fall into a certain realm before you stay in the hand. I play... I play a different strategy than most in stud. I don't mind saying it. I don't. I'm not worried about anybody playing against me in stud. Uh, I play the other players a lot of the time. Who's in the hand? What I perceive the hand to be, and so I'll enter a lot of pots where it's more based on what I'm seeing than what I have. Okay. You know, it makes it more interesting for me. And it makes me feel like I'm playing at the highest possible level, so I enjoy it more. And what do you look for in a read on a player? Uh, I guess everybody's different. Well, people play pretty much ABC in tournaments. Okay. And in stud, uh, unless a guy – there's very few players that play the way I'm talking. It's, it's pretty much called off the board. There's like an expression for it. Okay. You're not really playing your cards necessarily. Uh, so you're playing based on what you're seeing happen. And you're also playing on what you see happen and how they're perceiving what you have. Because, you know, a guy, you know, raises with a six-door card and uh, another guy raises and he's got a king up. Now, I have a three-door card and they see me three-bet, you know, depending on the situation. So, I'm raising a king with a three-door card. They're putting me on aces right away. You know, things of that nature and knowing if a player is semi-conservative or very conservative because you've been playing at the table with them. So, that's the way when you play the highest level of stud, that's how you play the game, in my opinion. That's how, you know, the, the top stud players will tend to play. A lot of top stud players don't necessarily play that way, but that is the highest level of stud. Is that why the game hasn't progressed because it's maybe more difficult to play well? Uh, it You know, people don't like to think as much, and it's so funny. A lot of people don't like to play stud because they don't realize all the nuances and, and, and in the game. You know, they don't see that. They don't, they don't have that experience, and they don't realize there's so much involved. It's a very complex game when you look to play it at a high level. And, uh, yeah, I guess I, I recently, funny, someone... Someone played me heads up recently three games and would only play me at a very small level because they wanted to learn the game from me. And when they were done playing, they just didn't want to play it anymore. You know, they it's, they don't they wanted to learn and then they were like, forget about it. It kind of blew them away and whatnot. But it's 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 fun. I mean, playing heads up is a lot of fun. You know, I, who is, who is your biggest rivals out there that you you say uh, in stud? Oh, yeah, like John yeah. Manette maybe. John uh, Manette is great. I just played with him recently. He was okay. down here. It's funny. Uh, John is a great all-around player, one of the best in the world, no question about it. Uh, you got to respect John at the table. Uh, but it's funny. John's been playing strictly tournaments, he said, and him and I were sitting next to each other in a cash game. And he said to me, I haven't played cash in ages, he said. He's been concentrating on tournaments. Okay. And John makes it so deep in so many events. I mean, this yeah. year, you see. Yeah, he had a good year. And I'm like, John, I can't believe you didn't take any of those down. I thought for sure you would. And he... You know, he he's a great, great player. Who else is a thorn in your side? Chris Treba? Uh I, I Chris is a solid player, but he uh you know, he plays you know, a lot of the games well. 
Uh, but if you really want to talk thorns on my side, uh, if anything, Sean Deep, who won it, great yeah. player. Yeah. He plays definitely out of the box. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a guy like Phil Ivey plays the game uh, in tremendously well. Uh, Adam Friedman, got to give him credit. Yeah, uh, he's a great. People don't realize how good he is, but I notice these things. Right. I notice people. They gain my respect when I see them play like I was just talking to you about. They'll make moves without a hand, based on how you, they know you're going to have to where you're going to put them in a the hand. Now we talked about uh, there are times when when you enjoy getting under the skin of a player if you I can. Love that. You don't want to. You don't, you don't want to be abusive in any way. No, I like doing it to someone who pisses me off. <laughs> I, truly, I don't like to do it to someone who's nice. Then my banter will be different. Right. You know, then I'll be talking to them about, you know, did you see that show the other day? And I'll just get into a conversation and have fun. It, like if there's like a woman at the table and whatnot, I could tell she's nice. And I'll say, when did they, you know, like, be, when did they start allowing women playing the same game as men? When did, <laughs> when did, where was I when this happened? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. And some of them get upset. And then they'll realize, you know, I'll be laughing, smiling. They'll realize I'm just kidding around. Others will like it. You know, it's, it, poker has to be fun. Right. I mean, I've had a lot of people thank me, truly. And. I don't want to come off as bragging about it. I'm just speaking with my experiences. And I've, through the years, countless numbers of people who've lost money at the table who've thanked me for just making it an entertaining experience for them. And you don't see that as much anymore. Okay, You, you really need to make poker fun if you're going to maintain uh, you know, the popularity and you're going to keep new players in the game. People like to try it. It's intimidating. And that makes it fun for you. You, you talked about how much that. fun you have at the table. Yeah. So, you know, you've got you to gotta be the villain sometimes, right? Absolutely. I mean, if I'm playing a 300, 600 mix game, I'm there to win. Okay? And I will definitely. I mean, when you play at that level with those limits, you're playing with tough guys, and you are trying purposely to piss each other off. Is that like every card, $600? Uh, well, if there's no raises, this card's going to... Yeah, oh, my there's, God. Yeah, there's a lot of... You're playing with aggressive players. I mean, and, I've heard of nosebleed games. For, for me, that's like a gusher. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it, goes, it goes high, and it's, it's, it's war. And when you're done... Now, you've got to realize I'm playing mixed games. So we're playing Badusi, Badesi, Omaha 8. We're playing, you know, like 8 to 10 different games. And you have to concentrate on every card of every game. Right. You even have to concentrate. You should anyway in the hands you're not in. See who's doing what, who seems focused, who's texting, who's playing open-faced Chinese on their phone in between hands or during hands. There's so much which, which to you, say. Which you're happy to see? I love that, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Anything that takes away their concentration. And if I see an opportunity to ride somebody or bus chops, I'll do it, certainly, and uh, I'm good at pissing people off at the table. Uh, I don't have mind you, doing it. Along those lines, have you have you been in fist fights at the table? Uh, there's been times when it's almost come to fist fights. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. In a in a in a World Series type event or not? not in a World Series event, but I've had people get nasty with me. Uh, if someone like gives me a hard time, uh, and pe- I mean, you hear at times it really cracks me up because I've played with so many known players. And, you know, you'll hear this or that, them talk, oh, what a great guy that guy is. And I'm like, that guy's a, well, I don't want to get profane, certainly, but I'll be like, I know that guy for real. He is not what you think he is. I will never take the first shot, uh, but I retaliate really strong, really hard. Do you take it easy on the guys that look like uh, they just came out of the weight room? Uh, As far as, uh, oh, no, I don't get it. It doesn't bother you? No, that doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) I I I don't I don't I don't uh, you know they're they're actually, I'm not easily intimidated. There actually could be a whole book about uh, you know we see uh, reading poker tells and uh, you could give instruction on how to needle. Yeah, definitely feel <laughs> better than my game is my mouth. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean you saw what I did to Phil Helmuth. Uh, you know, proof isn't saying it happened. And, exactly, uh, but that was years ago. Yeah, well. Phil refused to get on that show again with me at the time. I know yeah, that. Yeah. You know, they liked what I did. The show people loved it. <laughs> and uh, and they, Gabe Kaplan was like, oh, Corey, they're definitely going to have you back after this. <laughs> well, we're getting to the the William Kasuf thing that I promised. And, and I want to play this, uh, this story from this interview with Stacy, at least the part about her run-in with William Kasuf, who uh, is a fellow from Great Britain. And you'll hear all about it uh, as we bring you the thing. But, uh, you know... He's not really horrible, 
you can kind of understand where he's coming from. He's maybe a little bit irritating, but he's had some backing out there in the poker world by people saying that they thought the floor uh, decisions were wrong. Uh, let's go ahead and, and, and play that interview because I think a lot of people saw it Sunday night. Uh, and how it went for Stacy, who is a very good friend of ours. Uh, she finished 169th, so it was a good yeah, tournament was for, her. for her, of course. And day five, uh, we'll get into that too about how difficult that must be. Oof, that's brutal. But uh, let's hear uh, a little bit of that interview from Stacy, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, Corey's reaction. Let's talk about that a little bit. William Kasuf is uh, British and uh, has a history of uh, being very chatty at the table. Uh, you said he was kind of, uh, you know, n- kind of funny, actually, a little irritating, yeah, I mean, but I kind think, of funny. I think a lot of people quoted me thinking that, you know, I just think he's just this horrible human being and that I think, you know, what he did was just, a- listen, I mean, I've been in this business a long time. I found him to be um, entertaining. I think he did take up too much time um, and, you know, did take up a lot of attention on himself every time he was involved in a hand maybe that's his game but that you know that the person that was calling the clock on me should have been worried about calling the clock on him a couple times but the guy had just gotten to the table um i found him to be mildly entertaining but kind of amateurish in his talk um because usually pros don't have to sit there and talk to you for half an hour every time right. you're involved in a hand with them you know it's funny i as i mentioned to you before the show there's a youtube video on there of him uh, irritating vanessa selbst and uh, at the end of the commentary, Joe Stapleton says, uh, uh, "Hey Vanessa, welcome to every room in, in every poker room I in London." I watched that video. I watched that video. I mean, you know, a lot of people like to play poker and, and quiet when you're making decisions, especially big decisions. Um, I'm probably one of those. I love table talk. I think everything that Daniel Negrano does is great. Um, I don't see Daniel breaking any rules. Um, you know, there's certain things that you can't do when you're talking to opponents, which is talk about your hand, talk about what they have, make tell them to call or tell them to fold. There's certain guidelines that WSOP has set in place. I think that should be set for anything. I think you should be able to talk to your opponent. I talk to my opponent all the time because sometimes you feel like you can get some information. But there's kind of a line that you can't cross. Um, I want to say for the record that I don't have anything personally against him. I do think that this hand that uh, him and I got involved in, uh, there was a little bit of integrity lost on his part. But um, I, I think he, you know, he was trying to get there just like I was. Right. You know. Uh, let's talk about the hand a little bit. Uh, as usual, the cameras sometimes get there a little bit late, and they apparently didn't Always show up get to the there r- late. river. I want to, yeah. <laughs> but to talk about it from the flop. Uh, five, three, deuce. Uh, Rainbow was the flop. You're holding pocket queens. I can't uh, believe I have to relive this. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I do want to say... Be- I, I will apologize. No, it's okay, because I've relived it all radio. week because I've relived it with the media and stuff. But here's, and I'm sure I'm going to relive it with ESPN. That's just going to be great to watch myself. I'm going to be <laughs> under the covers. People, just have my back. But here's the thing. What people don't understand before this hand, because a lot of people don't understand why I laid this hand down before we get into this, I just want to say there was a quick hand before, prior, where... Um, he had raised. I had a black ace queen. The flop came uh, ace of diamonds, seven six of hearts. Uh, he ch- he bet. I raised him. I knew I had him beat. On the turn came a five of hearts. He check raised me all in. Went into the whole spiel about if I have the ace of hearts, I should call. You know, breaking all kinds of rules here, which is what I regret the most that we didn't call a floor person here to at least have warned Before him about time. a penalty. This ha- this happened two hands prior to this. Um, this went on and on about what I should have, how he wants me to call, yada yada yada. Penalty, penalty, penalty. But you know, the floor men. I'm sorry, the the floor people weren't there. They weren't called. The dealer had just warned him four times, um, and it turns out I fold because I didn't want my tournament life, you know, uh, to get unlucky. Even if I did have him beat at that point, and uh, he showed the camera supposedly a straight flush. I mean, I guess we'll see in. Uh, August, September, October, whenever they air this. But I was told that he had a straight flush. Now, the whole time prior to this hand that we're about to go in, I never saw him put his chips in bad. I never seen him make a stupid play. I saw him make a lot of stupid talk. But I never seen him put his chips in bad. So this really does come into play with the decision that I made and the hecticness that happened. So, yes, go ahead, Dave. Well, with the the pocket queens, I'm just wondering if uh, right around the flop, if maybe you made a mistake that maybe you could have got him off the hand in the very beginning that you you did no, I mean, I, you know, he, I, I, I raised, um, he was the big blind I raised with uh, two queens, and everybody folded, and he called out of the blind. The flop came, uh, I think it was 5-3 deuce, right. and uh, he checked, I bet strong. I was like, I hope he calls me with a 5-3 or deuce, so I'm going to get my chips right back from him. Um, even if with marginal hand, like 8s or 9s, he called on the turn card coming 8. 
Um, he checked, I bet. He almost kind of looked at his hand twice. I mean, I wish I could think about all these things when I was making the decision. But then he called. And I was thinking, wow, he really doesn't believe me. So now the river comes, a, you know, a 10. No flush. Obviously, the straight was on the flop, but I wasn't concerned with that. And then he check raised me all in and was just, it just erupted. I mean, it wasn't just quiet table talk. He was standing up. He's going, you, you know, and all the camera crews came over because the pot wasn't what it says it was, 700000 It was over, you know, $1.2 or $1.3 million. Um, he, I mean, because I had used up about seven or 800 just on my own. So it had to have been like $1.5 at least, plus the blinds. Um, and he said, what's in the pot? And that's when he check-raised all in, and he says, I'm going for it, man. He goes, you know, and he gave me the same speech that he did with the straight flush um, except he was saying um, I want you to call I want you to call and I kept on saying to him I know I have you beat here I mean instinctively I knew I had the best hand but I was kind of confused by what was going on now the floor men instantly come over because he's breaking all the rules again but this time you know the floor was called four floor, floor guys in there pandemonium every single ESPN camera had surrounded us um, they're telling him to stop talking that he's getting a penalty I lost my attention for a second and started becoming business, Stacy, paying attention to the floor's rulings because that's what I do for a living, okay? <laughs> that was just, you know, uh, really difficult. Um, I was interested. Jack Effel came over who, you know, doesn't normally get involved. Everybody said it had to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. I think they had been kind of viewing William for a while and had made a decision on him that, you know, he was probably going to earn a penalty anytime soon and Jack t took over did an extremely professional job of telling him listen no more talking we're giving you a round penalty no please leave yourself from the table here's the problem William wouldn't stop he kept on going over Jack's arm and continuing and I was so like I've never seen anything like this so it was like watching a horror show when I have my tournament life on the line so I, my focus got put off um it's too bad they didn't kill the hand like they said they would you know if he what? said I one more word. I but know. And I said, why? <laughs> and I said, why is his hand still alive? And then, you know, I got, I got flack from that on Twitter. Somebody said, how could you call his hand dead? I've just never seen anybody get penalties and continue on and ignore the vice president of the WSOP. And then he started zipping his mouth and doing hand motions. I mean, the guy was just relentless. And now looking back, obviously, he was so desperate for me to fold. I should have taken a cue on that. But while that was happening, a new guy that just sat on the table for two hands calls a clock on me in the middle of the pandemonium, which really kind of really made me so upset like wow it's, it was almost like a pummel like you're going to get on me while all this is going on at least I just want a minute to think about it so all I could hear was nine eight seven six five right all I say to myself every day is call call you know what I mean but I, I folded uh, Queens um, he showed over nine high nine pounded six, his yeah. chest like a boss you know all that uh, whatever it was. But I looked at myself and I said, you know what, that was a really unfortunate situation. But guess what, I'm still in. And part of the decision of me not acting so quickly is is that if I was wrong about calling him on that bluff, uh, you know, if I was wrong and he actually did flop a set or made two, whatever it was, um, I would have been out. But the fact is, is if I was wrong about the bluff, I still had 500000 and I knew how to build that right back up to 1.4 because I had done it the round before. I wanted to stay in the tournament. I wasn't afraid. I just didn't make a correct decision. I was thrown a little bit off by the pandemonium and the guy calling the clock on me. And he so pounded his chest, and uh, basically they sent him off then. So the very next hand, he's gone from the table, right? So he very doesn't even see this. Hand, very next hand. I, I, the dealer deals the next hand. I look down. I have two black aces. I'm like, Justin. <laughs> like this is going to be great. Like I'm going to double. Like what better hand could you get after a situation yeah. like that? Nobody's going to believe you have aces. They're all going to think you're on tilt, and uh, and that's it. And so you know uh, the seat two had who had uh, three bet uh, prior raise called. The flop came down king king, and that was the end of me in the main. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so you're out, and yeah. and how do you feel then? I mean, uh, obviously you feel Oof. horrible, but. Uh, you know, do you want to hunt this guy down no, and uh, give him a no. shot in the back of the head? Or I'll what? tell you what, I got so many messages about so many people that wanted to do that. Like, oh, my God, what, you know, <laughs> it's so obnoxious, and I'll punch him out for no. you. And I said, listen, and I mean, you know, uh, like I said, I mean, everybody's got their own game. His behavior is going to speak for themselves. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I was just trying to play the best game. It's, you know, I don't want William to overshadow what I did for five days. I don't want, you know, obviously this hand was... 
Now, everybody thinks that I should have easily called, but you have to understand when you're in this situation and you've been playing for five days and you've seen how everybody's plays are and you know all the circumstances leading up to it, I'm not trying to justify it, but it's very easy to, to, to have an opinion. And um, all I can tell you is I played with all hard. I played the best poker of my life. I wish I would have called there, too. You know, but um, I'm, I'm ready for the next tournament. You got to kind of let let it go after a few days. Obviously, I was pretty distraught, but uh, Grinder and Rob and Kevin and all my team they took me out, and we just had the best night ever, and we celebrated because everybody was really proud. So I really wanted people to hear that, uh, you know, and, and get a little background of what she was thinking. Uh, I don't know uh, if that's just like the biggest hand. I guess it was so important to me because I know Stacy. Mm. Uh, I've been waiting to watch that on TV. But Kasufas seemed to getting uh, seemed to be getting some uh, backing from uh, obviously from the TV people. Norman Chad kind of backed him. Uh, you know, uh, to me he was out of line. But you know, I'm not really a professional player, so I'm not the best one to evaluate that. What do you think? Do you, is he reasonable? Uh, I, I, again, heads up. I, it's, uh, part of the game is is. I think part of poker is reading your opponent, and if a, if I'm playing heads up, if I'm in a heads up spot with a player, and let me first say I love Stacy. She has tremendous passion for the game. She's great for the game. You know, she's with the Dealer Academy. I, I mean, I envy her passion, and people should try and duplicate it. You'll play better because if you just love it the way she does, I think it's a big positive. And of course, I'd look to back her, but the reality is, heads up, other than hitting below the belt. I think anything should go. Yeah. I have to, you know, speak what I feel. And uh, a guy's going to give you information at times, you know, by talking, talking, talking. Let him talk. Yeah. You know, look at him. He, they, I mean, we've seen in the history of the main event with them all being filmed. I mean, I, I think way back to the point where it was Sammy Farhar and uh, Amir Vahidi, where Amir had said the wrong thing in a spot. They were down deep. And Sammy made a, a call based on Amir saying something he shouldn't have said. Right. So the more someone talks, I think it's an advantage possibly. And Stacy was, was, you know, it's not an easy spot. You know, TV cameras around, I could certainly understand her feeling harassed. Obviously, that was, uh, you know, made worse by a guy calling the clock. I think that's dead wrong in yeah, that I spot. Get, I want to get into that, so let's hold off on that okay, one. Okay, sure. But, uh, yeah, but as far as, uh, well, let's take a break here on the show because I want to get more of this reaction, and uh, we're running a little long on time. But uh, certainly, there's no, like anything in poker, there's no easy answers to any of this, really. No, but I think we do have to clarify rules. They have to be uniform. I think they have to be followed, whether it's WSOP, WPT, be nice. People get trained to play a certain way. Not everyone's going to love every decision, but it should be uniform. I think we need to. Uh, Let's take our last break on the program, but let's tell you again about Gulfstream Park because uh, uh, lots of stuff going on there. They had the uh, Sire Stakes uh, a week or two ago and the Summer Soiree where there are a lot of entertaining promotions that that go on in the clubhouse and and throughout. So you need to check out their website at gulfstreampark.com, and you also need to... uh, just check it out and uh, give them a call if you have any questions. They'll let you know what's going on. Um, you can't miss the place in South Florida. It's uh, centrally located from any part of South Florida, from coming out from the west or coming down from Palm Beach or up from Dade. It's right there off 95, between 95 and the beaches at Hallandale Beach Boulevard, uh, right on Federal Highway. Very easy to find. Uh, give them a call if you need any questions. Uh, the poker room number is 954-457-6336, which I'm sure you're interested in if you're listening to this program. And a lot of uh, great action there that you can always t- take part in. Certainly uh, one of the jewels of South Florida. Check it out. Uh, we will be uh, heading there very soon for another uh, day of action out there. And uh, horse racing on the weekends. Uh, Post time is... Uh, I believe 1245 right now out there, and uh, you certainly could find some great horse racing throughout the year. But Poker Room is open uh, 24 hours on the weekends, uh, closes for about five hours during the night, uh, during the week. But uh, it, it, it is really a great place to go, and you should check it out if you enjoy the game, and you can find a good game there, no question about it. Once again, located at 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach, it's Gulfstream Park. Welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. 
Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because it usually meant. So we did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Final segment of the program, Big Dave Lemon tonight with Corey Zeidman. Another show that we could go on for uh, hours and, and have a great time, but we're limited with our time, so uh, we'll wind things up. But we are gauging some of the reaction to this hand uh, that was played this summer at the main event. Uh, Stacy got knocked out in 169th place, made $42,000. But uh, she talked uh, on the show, if you want to go back and hear the show, February, uh, I'm sorry, July 27th was the program, so you can check our archives and, and listen to the whole program, which was a phenomenal show, just like this one. But uh, Let's so, do another hour, yeah, Dave. I'd love to. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to, too. You and I talk forever. <laughs> we certainly could. But uh, anyway, uh, she was uh, so excited about getting to day five, and I wanted to touch on that real quick. Um, you know, you, when you go back, obviously, you play one, one of the first days. You may have a day or two off. You come back and play day two. But after that, as you're doing well, you're getting up. You're get starting at, uh, I think, 11 this year or 12. I can't remember yeah, what it was. Yeah, it's early. And then you're playing the entire day till 10, 12 at night, maybe it's later. It's a grueling game. What is that like? I mean, how I, is that? How can you do that? Well, people may not know this, but the year Chris Moneymaker won, I finished 39th. So I had to play four consecutive days, and we didn't have days off. It was four consecutive days, and that was the most draining poker ever. Because, I mean, it's no limit hold'em. So any hand could be your last if you let up for a second. That's part of the beauty of the game, quite frankly. You could play perfect poker for four days. You make one mistake, and that's it. And it's funny. The TV works into that same type of thing also because... You can play, make 5,000 great decisions, and we talked about this with Stacy. It's like being a parent. Yeah, and you're really, <laughs> you're really <laughs> proud of the way you played, and then all of a sudden the TV comes over for a big hand, and, and you make a mistake, and you look like an idiot. Yeah, I mean, look. It's not so, that people, she looks like no, an idiot, No, not at all. She'll beat us both up. Not, no, I mean, <laughs> if poker can do that to you. you. I mean, I've seen great, great players for lack of a better term, have like a brain fart and make a mistake and they're done. I mean, it's just, that is part of the beauty of uh, 
big chip games. You know, you you make a mistake, that's it. Yeah. I also want to talk about the uh, the TV cameras being there. You've been in front of cameras, sure. and obviously, uh, you know, you have some stuff on YouTube that will live there forever. Yeah. Maybe yeah. unfortunately. I sneak it on there. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoy. It. I actually the the TV camera. I don't. It doesn't. I does it affect the way my, you put no, it? No, not at all. Not at no. all. I I like being on stage to a degree, but I'm myself. It doesn't. It doesn't tense me up. Well, it's, you don't have uh, the quite the exact same situation because you're that stud player, that mixed game player. So yeah. nobody's watching you guys. Yeah, you know, no one cares like about us. <laughs> We're but, forgotten souls. But but how about they what, used to televise those? It was good. No, they should I bring know. that back. But as she was talking about, you know, when you have two or three cameras on, and, and all the guys carrying the equipment sure. and the lights and everything, and this guy's got a microphone with a fuzzy thing on the end of it, yeah. that's stuck in your face. It's intimidating. Yeah. Well, it, to 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 most. It does. It's all of a sudden you are aware that everything you do or say is uh, being monitored and documented and seen, uh, and especially in that spot. I mean, that's why uh, they probably should have given Stacy a little more leeway as far as a clock. I think that was a big mistake. Uh, you know, they need to take that into account. Yeah, there's no easy answers to any of these things because it's a big problem in the game right now. And I, you were out there playing this summer, so you know it better than most. And that is people have seen these guys play on TV. They want to take a lot of time. They're Hollywooding. Yes. And uh, it's not necessary for some of these hands. It's ridiculous. No. It's gotten out of control, and that needs to be changed. Mm. But in a very important situation with her tournament life in the line sure. after playing for five straight days, mm-hmm. all of a sudden this guy's calling the clock on her, and he wasn't even at the table except for the two hands before that happened. Yeah, I mean, that was out of line, definitely. I mean, who knows what the guy's motivation was to call a clock. Maybe he wanted to get TV time uh, because, you know, in a situation like that, courtesy to your fellow poker players, uh, actually, the only person that probably could consider calling a clock in that spot would be the person who you're heads up against in reality, the one that was harassing her. I could see him try and harass her further by calling the clock. If he felt that that would help him somehow, he probably would have done that. But a player at the table calling a clock is totally, totally out of line in that spot because it's not clear when a clock should be called, and that's why I think it needs to be defined. But... Uh, you know, we do need to improve the way we do that. There is some moves towards calling clocks as far as having a set time limit on decisions. It is torturous sitting at the table. I got to tell you, I don't look to play Hold'em tournaments very often anymore because of that. And I'm outspoken. I will talk early in the tournament to a guy who I see keeps posturing and Hollywooding and all that. I instantly get on his case at my table. I'm just like, I'll react to it. I, I, I just don't enjoy it. Do you call the floor on people? Well, uh, do you call the clock? I'll. I, I don't need the floor to help me harass a person who's abusing that. Quite frankly, I'll. I'll make fun of them. You know, it's usually. But again, that's a weapon as well. I, I think I've actually seen yeah. you call a clock on somebody out there. Yeah, that you, yeah, you know, no, I definitely will call a clock if that's my. You know, it seems like the right alternative. It always seems to be a younger guy, who is, reliving that he's, at the main event final table. And is taking much more time than he should on yeah. purpose. Right. You know, you can understand if it's a major decision. It's pre-flop. Three people. It didn't catch him by surprise. He knows he comes up after the person, you know, that's to his left. And it's his time to go. And he acts as if it just sprung, a, you know, a, a surprise on him. And that's so hard to tolerate. Yeah. It's bad for the game. Horrible. So, for so the bottom game. line, uh, and this is kind of an unfair question because you haven't seen the piece on TV. Then again, that was edited, so you're not getting the whole story anyway. True. But from what you've heard, and Daniel Negranus thought it was a bad floor decision. What's your thought on should he have been penalized like that, taken out for an entire orbit? Again, I didn't see exactly. You know, I've heard about it, and I didn't. Uh, I don't think personally. Heads up, like I said, I'm firm on that. I think you should be able to ride the other player all you want. I love it. I think it's great for TV. I think it's entertaining. It's good for the game. It creates an atmosphere at the table. It's adversarial poker. And I don't think there's anything wrong in a tournament. If I can't tell you how much money I've made in cash games when I piss people off. Yeah. And they come after me. They're playing hands they shouldn't play. They just want to beat me. And it's beautiful. And I love it. Because I never play... That way, I don't want to give them my money. So I'm going after them with good spots. 
You know, and I'm aware when they're coming after me personally. So I think it's part of the game. I think it's great. Again, that's heads up spots. I don't think the same should be permitted if it's multi-way action. I think it's totally different. Like we saw Jamie Gold do a hand of years ago, a handful of years ago. I mean, more than two players, it's different. You shouldn't be able to talk. I really think it should be at a complete minimum when it's multi-way because it's not fair. Well, TV's loving it, and uh, this guy actually finished. Uh, this is kind of a spoiler alert, so uh, you might want to turn off the radio if you if you're really following this along and wanting not wanting to know. But uh, William Kasu finished 17th, missed the final table, but uh, went very deep and made a made a big payoff. He was the last Brit still in the tournament. Mm. Uh, he actually got knocked out when he had pocket kings against pocket aces. So well, there you the, go. Goes around, comes around. Well, I'll tell you, I know ESPN probably was rooting for him to make the final table. They I guarantee were. you that. There was another fellow that was at the feature table with a with a huge bushy beard. I don't know if you saw any of that. I think no, his name was yet. Alex. Uh, anyway. Uh, they do search these things out, and last year we talked about there was a guy named Curtis Rystad that harassed Kyle Coranen, who was the chip leader at the time, yeah, and that made that. big play on all the, the tournaments. So uh, there's certainly a desire to have people like that to do well. Yeah, I mean, that guy Curtis, I mean, I saw that, I watched it, and I didn't find him that funny, but it was better than watching guys just sit there and stare at each other. You know, table banter is a necessary part of poker. It does create better viewing it's more entertaining and it's better than just staring at people it's just straight poker i find that uh, could be boring at times actually well listen we're out of time i, I hope you had fun and we'll I come back again uh, yeah let's every not time make it here. like over a year next time but there's so many things i would like to well get i into have it. to win a bracelet for you to get me on well. sooner obviously <laughs> I mean, I made a final I'm a, I'm table. I'm a front runner. I, mean, I can't. I can't deny I that. I don't blame you. I mean, it's <laughs> like, what have you done for me lately? I understand that's the way the world works. Exactly. Uh, the Borgata tournament. Last we have, they're down to 56 players. Matt Waxman, third in chips, from wow. what I can see. Yeah, Matt. Uh, I play hanging basketball in there. every week. Uh, Aaron Overton, chip leader with 1.375 million. Free Jatton, who's also from Miami, 1.3 million, and Matt Waxman has 1.23 million. John Raisner still doing very well, over a million chips. Jesse Sylvia just under a million. Chip average is 6.32, but a lot mm. of big names, and uh, we'll give you the results, of course, next week. That's going to do it. Thanks for driving great, all the way great down being here. Yeah, no, my pleasure. We appreciate Always it. Always great, Dave. Thank Corey you, Zeidman, uh, you can check him out uh, writing for All In Magazine if they start publishing it soon. A uh, whole other thing that we didn't get into, but we certainly will uh, have you back in a few weeks and uh, talk it on again. Can't wait. Looking forward to it as okay. always. Thank thanks, you. Dave. Gio, thanks for all your work. We appreciate it and look forward to another show. Next week, uh, Mark Perlman's going to step in for Joe, and we'll have fun talking a little Omaha 8 and uh, stuff like that as well. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for being with us. We'll catch you next time on Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.